finally got your first leadership gig, loving the new role, but feeling the pressure of your new responsibilities and all that expectation to perform, well, don't worry, you're not alone. Crossing the chasm from a technical role to leadership, from doing stuff to managing and leading people is the toughest challenge any leader must make. Welcome to the Human Edge Show, the podcast dedicated to help you do just that, successfully cross the doing to leading chasm. Campbell Such here, Chief Chasm Crossing Guide. I've made all the mistakes so you don't have to. I want to help you learn those lessons much more easily by sharing my experiences and talking with brilliant people who have already figured it out. You'll get great actionable tips, strategies and techniques to make the transition so much easier and faster for you. Now let's get to it. Welcome to this episode of the Human Edge Show. I'm really super excited to welcome Oliver Hill, or Ollie as uh, he prefers to be known, to the show. Welcome, Ollie. Great to have you along. <laughs> Ollie is country manager for HP New Zealand. Oliver started, I'm just going to read out his bio so that we've, uh, so that I get that right. Oliver started with HP in 2004. During his time with HP, he's worked with within outsourced managed services, partner management, enterprise account management before leading the commercial channel team and printing systems channel and enterprise teams. Whew. As country manager, he leads the New Zealand business, including the New Zealand leadership team and is a board member of HP New Zealand. Passionate about diversity and inclusion, Oliver is heavily involved in HP New Zealand's internal business impact network groups. He sees this as an enabler of great innovation as well as supporting a rich team culture and workplace fueled by diverse backgrounds, perspective, perspectives and experience. Oliver believes in the power of teams and cultivating a positive culture to achieve results through a growth mindset. Thank you, Carol Dweck. Oliver also has a particular interest in sustainability and has been appointed a member of the Tech Collect New Zealand board to work on initiatives to help minimize and manage e-waste. And I saw something this morning, Oliver, announcement on your e-waste minimization uh, initiative. So congratulations, that's fantastic to see. Uh, his passion extends for his passion for technology extends across the below area below areas digital manufacturing cybersecurity and AVBR. Oliver, welcome. Uh, that's a fabulous bio. Uh, thanks for being <laughs> on the show. It's great to have you here. Now I'm just going to ask you the uh, the first question, which is, what's something that not many people would know about you? I'm going to give you a really weird one. Uh, I'm allergic to broadband. Allergic to broadband. Broad beans, broad beans. Broad, be broad, yeah, sorry, yeah. broad beans. Oh wow! So, yeah. so, so it's a weird one. Uh, it's actually it's a Mediterranean um, uh, condition. Uh, it's an enzyme deficiency. It passed through my Greek grandmother, and uh, if I, but I've never I've never actually experienced it. But I'm told that I'm allergic to it. So either someone's made it up, and <laughs> but I don't think I'm missing out on a great deal in life. Do you, do you like broad beans? I, you know, if you put a broad bean in front of me, I don't even know that I'd know what it was. So um, I, I can't say I particularly like them, but then I, maybe I've eaten them and not really realised what they are. So, yeah. yeah, I'll take it over being allergic to say, you know, uh, shellfish or, you know, seafood. Yeah. I think broad beans is all right. And, and you've never actually eaten broad beans. You've just stayed away from them. So it's never been a problem for you. Is That's that right? right. Yeah. So in theory, but again, it's probably not worth going and triple checking. I can live without them. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. So just to sort of kick off the, uh, the, the sort of bit of a background on you, how, how did you become a leader? Can you think back to your first leadership role and the, and the, the process that you went through to, to move into that role and perhaps a little bit of a, 
uh, a history of how you've got to where you you are now. Yeah, so you know, I, I started with HP on the help desk um, doing technical support, and I made a big jump into um, the sales side of the, the business, which is probably the largest jump of, of my career of any, um, uh, literally just by you know networking and uh, communicating with that part of the business, telling them what I wanted to do, and eventually getting someone to take a massive leap of faith in me. And I think that's probably how every step of my career has gone is someone just taking taking a, a leap of faith and that I could um, do that that next position. And like a lot of things, you know, timing sometimes is really important. You know, this thing happened and then that thing happened. And so I was the right person um, out of the selected bunch. And for me, a lot of that career growth has been remaining in one company for a very long period of time, which is not necessarily how other people do it. But I think, you know, for me, I had a, a new leader when we were merging two parts of our business and they were looking for, for new management and they took, they, they saw something in me um, and that I may or may not have seen in myself. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's how I got into it as someone really put, sort of put me to it. I put my hand up because that's how I've always been. I'll, I'll put my hand up for something um and and give it a go and so that's sort of how how it came about right did you so you went from a help desk role so a technical role into a sales role so that that, that was quite a big change um and then and then when you were offered the leadership role was there anything did you did you have any kind of previous exposure or understanding of what a leadership role would look like before you took that on was it something that you went into with eyes open or was it really just you know your passion for and openness to taking on new things the growth mindset that you that we talked about before in your bio um taking an opportunity when it came past yeah i think one of the things that i've been very fortunate to have is uh around me as i was growing up a lot of people in senior leadership positions and so for me that was a normal thing and I, I, I come back to that a lot when it comes to people's development is a self-belief. And I think, you know, that's where um, we have divides within, you know, the country because some people see what's around them and don't believe that they can achieve greater things. I was very fortunate in that, you know, my, my father had a, a good job and all the people around us had good jobs. So when people asked me when I was younger what I wanted to do, I said I wanted to be a CEO. <laughs> and people found it hilarious but to me it wasn't funny because that's just you know the sort of things I saw around me so for me um yeah that that was the the just an innate belief that I could do something like that um even though I was I had zero idea and I had you know no reason to think that that was just something that I naturally felt right yeah so so e even not knowing it you had been exposed to you know, through your father and through people that were around you, uh, exposed to leadership, probably by almost by osmosis. So you, so you weren't going, and even though you didn't have direct experience, you had indirect experience and and probably understood more than a lot of people do what it's like to move into a leadership role. Uh, t tell me about what you actually found when you went into that leadership role, and and uh, the perhaps the unexpected things that that you found uh, when you made that move from from sales into leadership. Yeah, I think the the, the main, uh, there's a couple of things. First of all, you can't keep doing what made you successful in the previous role and just do the same thing and expect to still be successful. In fact, 
Uh, some of the things will, will make you successful, but some of them will have the, the opposite effect. And, you know, things like, um, you know, favoring some people over others, you can have buddies that you're really close to and, you know, maybe not get on with other people and that can work. Whereas when you become a leader, you have to treat everyone the same. Um, and for me, I'm obsessed with that, which is I, I don't take favorites. Yeah, sure, I've got personal connections with people, but I make sure I treat everyone the same because that then gives people confidence that you will always have their back, no matter whether they think that you're friendly with them or, or less friendly than other people, as long as they know you'll treat them equitably. Um, I think that's really important. And then the other thing is realizing as an individual contributor, you, you, you're there to do a job and you, you know, you're trying to pull everything in to make you successful. And then when you become a leader, it's about how do I serve people? How do I help them do what they do? And instead of going in and going, this is what I need you to do, it's what do you need me to do for you so that you can do your job? And that's a, that's a really big shift. And when you sometimes see leaders that look all polished and look like they have all the answers for everything on a stage, it seems like you should have all the answers, um, but actually you just need to help people um, and get out, get the answers from them and then help, you know, make that happen for them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, fully agree with you on the, on the questions. A lot of us as leaders feel we have to have all the answers. Um, but the challenge with having all the answers is then the people that are reporting to you that need to do the work keep coming back to you for the answers and it's kind of a line outside your office with take a ticket and uh and i'll give you the answer whereas what you really want them to do is to come up for the, with the answers themselves so perhaps it's more about questions and and helping and having really good intentions so yeah it's interesting isn't it because one of the things i found was or i've found is that you don't have to be liked by your the people that work with you and in your teams and report to you what you need them to do is respect you and and ideally you'd have them like you and that's a good thing but but it's um the respect and the uh that, that you build not that you demand um, interesting so one of the one of the things that um that you know as you went through that process how did you find uh the the person or the people that put you into those leadership roles supported you and sort of to broaden that out a little bit what, what do you see as the common pit, pitfall pitfalls um that happen when a, a leader moves up to leading other leaders and the challenges around you know not just making that move into leadership but what happens when you are a leader who's bringing other people into leadership and what are the challenges that they face uh, with helping their direct reports who are also leaders with their own teams be successful yeah so um look i've had a diverse um uh, range of styles uh, of, of, as I've been a manager that, that, were, that were leading me. Um, and I think that's really evolved over time. You know, certainly uh, earlier on, there was a lot more um, of maybe di dictatorial style leadership, which is, you know, very much gone these days. And, and you know, we're seeing a much more supportive, nurturing culture. My current... Um, uh, you know, leader is fantastic in terms of that support, which really helps. I think um, as people move up that 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 ladder and and start to lead leaders, again, it's about that transition. You can't be the inspiration for the team anymore. It's okay to sort of go, "Hey, I've got this idea," and get people behind you, like you said, get them to come with ideas and have some, and them to really believe in you. But when you're leading leaders, who are uh, then you, you don't have that same ability 
to be that. So you've got to go, okay, how do I, it's really about people development and how do I coach them to achieve what I, I want of, of the overall business? And it, there's a lot more nuance <laughs> within that and thoughtfulness. Um, and then you need to be a, a bit more consistent with your communication because it needs to seep down and you need to be, you need to think further out so that, you know, you're sort of going, okay, where do we need to be in two, three years? Because it's going to take a while for the actions you're doing with your leaders to sort of get through. So you're really having to think um, a lot further out in terms of your planning. Yeah. Wow. Okay. In terms of um, things that didn't go so well for you, um, without giving away any secrets that you don't want to talk about, is there anything that you would do differently uh, than, than you've done in, in two areas? One is in your early leadership roles, so making that transition into leadership, and secondly, in your more recent um, roles as you've moved into the a really senior leadership and, and management position, that... that um, as a senior leader and you know what what are the things that you might have done differently moving to from leading people to leading leaders of people in my early earlier in my career I was too focused on the business and not enough on the people and I lacked empathy to be honest um, it would be like, well, this, this is the outcome. This is what we're going for. And I was a little bit probably too transactional. You know, it was like, it, it just, I was hardwired to always go for the next thing and the next thing and wasn't probably in tune with, with, with people's needs enough. And, um, and I didn't celebrate success enough. You know, it would be cool. Let's, yeah, good job. Next thing. And it's taking that time to really stop and go, wow, that was great. Really celebrate the success um, and understand uh, you know, those, those individuals um, and really kind of, you know, what's really important to them because you know, when you actually understand someone, you know, truly and what's important to them and the challenges they're going through and their dreams, they will buy into things you ask them to do because you, you know, you're, you have that personal connection. So for me, that's a, that's a really important one. Right. So that, so that was in the, so that's in the, in the first early part of your career around the focus. Do you think that came from, you know, when, when you're being in a technical role at the help desk role and then maybe perhaps moving into sales, you're really focused on doing something, which is making sales or, or helping people on the help desk. And, uh, and then when you move into a leadership role, does that sort of drive to, to, achieve and to get things done do you think that's what drove that focus on on outcomes rather than on the people is that is that where that came from and so perhaps as a new leader something to think about when you do move in is is to really make that really tough mind shift transition in your head from from getting stuff done to getting stuff done th through and with other people yeah absolutely and because look for me um rightly or wrongly I can kind of just keep going and, and like I love celebrating success but it's not just a default and I think that was the the thing is I wasn't thinking about other people and how they needed to to celebrate um I was thinking about you know for me I'd just always been yeah achieve the goal get on to the next one because the next goal is right in front of you. Um, and also it's just a, a maturity thing. You know, I was young and, um, you know, wasn't probably in, in, as in tune as, as I probably am now. So. so so interesting you talk about empathy because uh, I believe empathy is one of those foundational 
human skills that make a massive difference, um, both both in technical roles, but but particularly when you move into into leadership roles and as a leader. What what gave you the insight to to move to having empathy, and how did you? learn it because for, for many of us empathy is not something that we think that a think about in the first place or or b comes naturally to us or we even really understand what it is and how to how to go about being empathetic which which to me is very different from sympathy and, and some of the other things so what what does empathy mean for you and how did you go about a finding it and then b what discovering the value of it and then actually growing your capability and skills in that area so for me one of the really big ways I've grown is uh, actually having mentors and coaches have a, have a look at, at how I can improve. And I think that's a really, really important thing for everyone to do is, is get a, a mentor or a coach, um, ideally a coach if you can, and a mentor, uh, if that's possible. And really, you know, I went through a process of 360 review of, of how you know, I perceive myself versus how other people um, perceive me and actually figuring out where I can have the greatest improvement. And for me, that has enabled me to really hone in on um, where I need to focus um, and where those blind spots are between where you think you are and where other people see you. Because I believe that you, know, you actually have the worst view of, of yourself. In fact, you're the only person who can't see how you behave because you've got a narrative in your head about what you're, how you're perceived, but other people actually just see you and see your actions. And so it's really important to get that feedback as to how other people see you. Because I can guarantee you for every individual, there's areas where they're way better than they think they are. <laughs> and you know, that's important to know. And then there's areas where they're, um, you know, uh, they've got a blind spot and they, they probably think they're better than they are and they need to know that as well. Um, and sometimes that's about, well, maybe you are that good, but you're just not communicating it. So, yeah, I think that, that whole self-reflection, that's really important. And then, you know, staying focused. Okay, where can I actually make improvements? Where do I focus? Um, and for me, empathy, uh, it is something that you really need to work at because it's very easy to go, oh, okay, cool, that's interesting, next. And that's not empathy. <laughs> it's okay. Wow, that's you're really feeling what 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 that person is going through, and then asking deeper questions um, to to really understand what's happening. Yeah, it's a skill. It's a skill that you can develop over time, um, but it's not something that comes naturally to most people. I would say, and especially for most people coming out of technical roles, um, that the empathy piece is is a real challenge. Uh, love your love your point about the the blind spots and and the, the thing in my experience personally and observing it with other people you're right you you only see their actions not their intent and not the narrative that's going on in their head um, but I don't think those blind spots go away and actually um, being having people around you who you've I guess helped to see that they can give you the you know the un filtered truth about what's going on is a really powerful thing to be able to build and uh, and a coach or a mentor and and others around you um is that does that resonate with you oliver if you find that that's the case absolutely absolutely and just just sort of taking that step of opening up to allow someone to give you that feedback is is, is a great step to then you know go okay cool I, I want this feedback and giving people a platform to do it because most people are won't do it 
unless you ask yeah. because they'll see it as criticizing you and so uh you need to give people a platform to be able to 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 give you the feedback and because if you're not getting the feedback then you don't you don't know how to grow so yeah and feedback's a really it's a strange old beast isn't it feedback it's one of those things that you there's a saying that says it's the wise person that wants to hear what they don't want to hear and uh you know i still find when i get feedback that's negative it still stings um but i try and push through that and go okay well what can i learn out of this and 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 if, as a leader, you solicit feedback and then A, you, you react in a way that then indicates to the other person you didn't want to hear it, or you don't take any notice of it and give them some feedback on the feedback they've given you, then you might find that that dwindles down instead of continuing to grow. Um, yeah. Well, that's the, the classic thing about like people say I've got an open door policy because they're, 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 if they've got an office, which not many people do these days, but you, if you do, you've got the office door open. If someone walks in and sees something, you bark at them <laughs> and they wander off and you go, I've got an open door policy. It's like, well, no, you, your door's open, but you don't have an open door policy because you know, it's, it's, about how, you know, it's about how you nurture that and you listen to people. Even if you completely disagree with what they say, you've got to make them understand that their feedback is valuable because otherwise it will, it will stop. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And guess what? Even if you completely disagree with what they said, maybe you're wrong. Um, you know, so yeah. I think even in a group environment, that's really important. You know, um, you can have uh, we've got a lot of people being in the organization a long time, which is great. Uh, but you get someone new come in and they come up with an idea, and people go, Oh, we've tried that. And you know what that person thinks? Well, I'm not gonna say anything more because every time I come up with an idea, everyone tells me they've already done it. So you've got to learn to listen, work through it with them, even if even if you don't believe it's going to be, you know, work through them, make them understand that it's still valuable feedback. Otherwise, it just yeah, it just does stop coming. Yeah. Yes. Good. That's great. Great advice. You mentioned um, you you had uh, coaches and mentors early in your career, which was one of the big things that made it, it was one of the things that made a big difference in your ability to turn around your your. The, you know the technical role into a leadership role and particularly around empathy and I imagine that there was a bunch of other stuff that your coaches and mentors helped you with um was was the coach and the was the coaching and mentoring your idea or was that something that was provided by the company how, how did that come about and um um what would you encourage new leaders to do in terms of that to go seeking it for themselves, to talk to their boss around maybe getting coaches and mentors. What what what's your what would be your advice around that in that space? Yeah, I think uh, it, it should always be individual led because if it's something that's sort of organised for you, you're not going to be as bought into it. I would also encourage people to have mentors outside of the organisation um, because there's always agendas. Well, there's often agendas if it's inside the organisation. You're not going to be talking as freely. Um, because you'd be worried about the perception of you. And that's why I found a coach great, because the coach is working for you. Um, there's no agenda except for making you better. And you can be really open about what you are scared about, what you don't feel confident about, where you think you're terrible, and they'll be a really good sounding board and that you don't have to. So if you can get a coach, I would, I would highly recommend that. If you, if you can't get a coach, because you, know, you have to fund that somehow, then um, getting a mentor, um, and it's okay to have ones inside the business, that's fine, but just get at least one outside of the organization that you really respect, and someone who's got a style that you think, I like the way they go about uh, their work. Like if you're a, a person who's really family orientated and doesn't want to work, you know, 12 hour days, 
then don't go and get a mentor that works 12 hour days. <laughs> you know what I mean? Find someone um, within your um, uh, within your style and yeah, just stick to it. You don't have to stick to a mentor for five years. Um, I would suggest, you know, if, especially if it's external, I would say I'd like you to mentor me for 12 months so that they know sort of what they're signing up for. Um, and, you know, if we could meet once a month for 12 months and, and, and you know, do that sounding board. Um, but yeah, I, I would encourage every, everyone should have a mentor and anyone who thinks they don't need one needs one more than the other people. <laughs> <laughs> Any suggestions around the best way to go about finding a mentor like that, Oliver, and what 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 approach you, you, you'd take? Um, because it's because for them, presumably the coach you're paying them, the mentor you're not, if that's the difference between the two of them, um, but maybe there are other differences. Uh, if, if, if it's a mentor and you're not paying them, then it's, a, it's still a commitment of their time. So there's, there, you know, you'd have to have, they'd have to be bought into it and see some value for them as well as for you in, in doing that. So what would be your approach to find a mentor that would, that, that would work and, and say yes? <laughs> yeah, I, I, so for me, it's always just been people that I've really uh, respected who have an understanding of the industry that you're in um, because, I mean, you can't just have a, a, a coach that doesn't know the industry, but it is helpful if they do. Um, and someone who's sort of later, later, later on in their career, um, because they're probably more willing to give their time to help the younger generation um, and they've got more experience. So uh, for me, that's sort of the wiser person who's, you know, exiting and they want to give back. Um, so that would be the sort of person I look out for. And again, just someone you respect uh, and like the way they, they go about things. And if you can't think of, of anyone, um, you know, I, I would just ask, you know, your leaders or someone else, like, hey, is there someone in the industry that you know that would be good for me? Um, and maybe even if it's a, your leader, they might understand where you could do with some coaching and they might understand someone else and, and how they would fit in with that as well. Yeah, great. Okay, now that, that, look, that's brilliant. Oliver, just before we wrap up, um, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you that I should have that you'd like to just cover off before we finish? Um, well, I think what well, just a few few other points. I think you know you got to be true to your personal brand, so you got to be be authentic. And I would spend the time figuring out why you want to do what you're doing. You know, sometimes I've sort of, I was in a position for a long time about just going from one thing to the next thing and I just wanted the next thing, <laughs> but not really understanding what, you know, when I got to the end of my career and I look back, what would I be proud of? I think that's a really important piece, you know, think big, dream big, and think how you can help other people and how you'd like to look back on your career when you finish it and then start to plan from there, you know? So it's, it's sort of the, the longest term planning you can do from a career perspective is how do you want it to end? How do you want it to be seen? And how do you want to feel about what you did? And, you know, that ideally would be around helping others because that's going to give you the most energy and the most satisfaction at, at the end of the day. Brilliant. Oliver, thank you very much. That's been outstanding. Some great nuggets of advice and and. Uh, things that people can take away and apply and, and consider and think about in terms of their own careers and, and the, the path they might take and the, and the people they might bring in around them to help them, coaches and mentors and, and others. So Oliver, thank you. That's been been marvellous and uh, look forward to chatting again at some point in the future. Thanks for inviting me. It's been great. Cheers. Thanks for listening. 
If you have a friend or a colleague who would benefit from this episode, please pass the word along. If you have a friend or a colleague who would not benefit, but you haven't been in touch with them for a while, give them a call. iTunes reviews are great to get the word out and to help me create the show that's most useful for you. And if you're frustrated or having challenges or would like some help, guidance, assistance with your first leadership role, then check out integrationcatalyst.com in the link in the podcast notes below. Or pass this on to your boss to nudge them to get you the help you really need to cross the doing to managing chasm and get you powered up on your leadership and management journey. Oh, and if you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, hit subscribe. Until next time.